in Southern Maryland. Now, maybe we can identify more with this. Any Southern Maryland folks or anyone who's heard of Southern Maryland or ever been down there? La Plata, Waldorf, good. I am the youth leader, youth pastor, youth director, whatever title you want to give me, uh, down there at Calvary uh, Grace Assembly of God, as Christian said. And my dad is actually the lead pastor of the church. I grew up in that church from about 12 years old on and never thought I would have been back leading the youth group as long as I have. Isn't it amazing how God has plans for your life? Sometimes those plans um, you don't know about, and it's a good thing, right? He sets the stage for you. And um, one of the uh, things that I do there is fill in for him from time to time. And I heard you guys were uh, needing to look for someone on the bench because your senior pastor is on vacation, right? Youth pastor, Haley's husband, not doing too good uh, uh, health-wise, sickness-wise. So they went down deep on the bench and they pulled me off. And uh, I've got a little bit of experience. I just did, uh, I got to speak last Sunday at our church. Incidentally, my uh, father was away. And uh, every now and then they let me do it. And we had a great time. And I'm hoping we can have a great time this Sunday morning with you guys. My wife, Megan, my beautiful wife, Megan, is sitting up front. We actually met each other. Yeah, thanks. All right, we're dismissed. She got, she got the ovation. That's all she needed. Uh, we have two beautiful girls, too, Riley and Carson. And Riley's three and a half years old, almost four. Carson is almost seven months, and they're both downstairs now. Uh, we just took Carson out. Uh, but I love being a dad to my two girls. Megan and I met at Evangel University. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Evangel out in Springfield, Missouri. But I went out there. Thought for sure, you know, maybe I'd stay out there for a little while after I went to school in Springfield, Missouri. I liked the mid. I ended up liking the Midwest quite a bit. And uh, I came back here. Megan transferred to uh, Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia, to get her interior design degree. And uh, again, the Lord just kind of had step by step the plans in place for us. And here we are, been married. Just celebrated eight years on Tuesday, which is insane. I can't believe we've been married that long. But anyway, yeah. Thanks, Martin. So enough about me. I want to uh, have what I think is a fun message. Christian may not have known this, uh, or maybe he did, but we are going to use the Olympics as as kind of our theme this Sunday morning. Uh, I I actually am a youth director at our church, but that's not my full-time job. Uh, That job has a lot of rewards in it. The actual paycheck rewards mostly comes from my job as a sports journalist for Southern Maryland newspapers down in, uh, based out of Waldorf, Maryland. Uh, I do both jobs, and it can be uh, sometimes pretty involved, but my, uh, my sports writing job is a flexible job. It, you have some crazy hours, and it allows me to put time. Maybe when other people who work those 9 to 5 jobs wouldn't normally be able to, I put time into our youth group. So I, uh, I love sports, and I'm hoping... If you're either a sports fan here today, an Olympics fan, a fan of our country, or just you're here and you got a pulse, we can go with that, okay? We don't have to have anything more than just a pulse. You're breathing. If not, we'll get one of the ushers to do CPR to you. We'll get you back to life. And if you just have a pulse this Sunday morning, you're going to enjoy what we're going to talk about. Uh, before we put the PowerPoint up, we're going to talk about the, the, the message title is called Pursuing Gold. We're going to look to pursue gold, not only in, in kind of looking at the Olympics and so forth and themes from there, but in our Christian walk. Because I believe that the number one way that we're going to get the most out of life is if we're pursuing gold in our life, in our Christian walk. I think a lot of us are bored with the Christian walk, and sometimes we think God has dealt us a bad hand, or sometimes we wonder if God even cares about us, or sometimes we wonder, is God really the same God He was to my mom or dad or to my friends who, you know, yelp Him up and say that He's great? I haven't experienced it. And my goal today, through the Holy Spirit, and, and him touching my words is to challenge you guys maybe to, to look at your Christian walk and say, am I doing my part? You know, a lot of times when I go through struggles in my life, it's not because um, it's someone else's fault or maybe outside circumstances, but frankly, my Christian walk, I've allowed to kind of hit the skids. You know, am I the only one whose Christian walk sometimes goes through those valley experiences? So we're going to talk about pursuing gold. And here's what I want to do. I want you to kind of, I know what yesterday kind of kicked off the Olympics action. And believe it or not, when I put this uh, message together a week ago before the Olympics started, I had no clue what was going to happen yesterday with, uh, what's that guy's name? Michael Phelps. Have you heard of him? Some of you are like, oh, we're not going to talk about Michael Phelps. We are, 
but it won't be what you think it is. Um, he did get beat yesterday. He's got other chances. He's trying to be the number one Olympic medalist of all time. What he's three medals away from having 19 in his career, and no one of any Olympic uh, sport has ever had that many medals. Yesterday didn't work for him. But what I want you to do is hit the wayback machine in your mind to maybe a race, and uh, Kelsey up there is going to pop on a YouTube video. It's a couple minutes. It's in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And um, it looks as if, we're, we're, what I'm going to ask is if we can have the lights, uh, someone can hit the lights so we can uh, make sure we see this video. Uh, and we're going to watch a couple videos. So if we can have someone on the light switch, that'll be great. But you might remember this particular race by Michael Phelps when he set the record in the 08 Olympics by winning eight gold medals. No one had ever won that many in one Olympics. But he needed to win this race to break the record. So without further ado, we're going to pop it on. They can bring down the volume on that. We're going to uh, watch uh, our next video in just a second. You can actually leave the lights where they're at because I'm only going to be up here about 10 seconds. So he won that race by one one-hundredth of a second. Uh, to the naked eye, it just didn't look like he had won it. The computer said he did. The timer said he did. So maybe you've seen this commercial. It's 30 seconds long, and uh, I'm waiting to get the uh, go-ahead from the guys upstairs when they're ready. But maybe you've seen uh, this commercial breaking down exactly what is one one-hundredth of a second in pursuing gold. Are we ready, fellas? All right. All right, you can hit the lights. I appreciate that. Thanks, technology team. So we're going to talk about pursuing gold, and I hope that gets you amped up just a bit. Because I believe that in our Christian walks, 
we have great things. What does it say in Jeremiah? I know the plans I have for you. Plans to what? Prosper you. And not to what? Harm you. You see, I think we look at someone like Michael Phelps and we're like, look, that dude's got mad talent, mad ability. When I say mad, that's terminology for good. For those of you who are like me, I'm just learning that from my youth kids. But here's the deal. He's got unbelievable ability and we say, well, that's just what he does. But what you should be doing is be achieving those same gold medal victories in your Christian walk. Your whole life. Should, I know we're going to go through valleys and we're not, it's not going to be a bed of roses. But even when you go through storms, you should have a triumphant, victorious mentality in your life. And if you don't have it, I guarantee you, you're not pursuing gold properly. Look, sometimes you're within one one-hundredth quicker, one one-hundredth of a second, quicker than the blink of an eye and flash of lightning from your victory, but you may not have done something, stayed Tried and true, as Paul said, to the goal. You may not have stayed to the race. You may have let up. You may have gotten a little demoralized. Maybe you got a little bored with your Christian walk. Maybe coming here on Sunday mornings is just mundane, no big deal. You just do it because you feel like you're going to check off, and we're going to talk about this in a second, check off on your little spiritual chart that I went to church on Sunday morning. If you're living life like that as a Christian, you're not pursuing gold. Can I just tell you? You're almost wasting, maybe you are wasting your time. Because God is no dummy. Last I checked, he's that omniscient term, all-knowing. He kind of knows everything. So he knows what really is in your hardest of hearts as you're living this Christian walk. I pray, my prayer is by the end of today's message, that you'll be motivated if you're not pursuing gold to pursue it. And if you are pursuing gold, you don't stop. You keep training. Let's, let's get into it. I think you're going to enjoy this. <clears throat> like I said, it's a fun message We're going to put up the first screen of our PowerPoint on Pursuing Gold. That's the name of it. If you want to take notes, I invite you to. I'm going to go somewhat fast because I've got a decent amount of information and and I want to get it out. So um, let's do it. Pursuing Gold in our Christian walk. Again, I bring up Michael Phelps because he's probably going to be the number one Olympian of all time by the end of these 2012 games and no matter what took place yesterday. And by the way, a little commercial. I don't know if many of you got one of these Pentecostal evangelists as you came through the door. I encourage you to read the testimony of the reigning gold medalist in the decathlon and the Olympics from the 08 Olympics, uh, Brian Clay. Great Christian. I just showed his story to our youth group a couple weeks ago. And a uh, really good story. I tell you, he comes from a background of abuse. And he's gone from abuse to where he's at as a gold medalist because of what God has done in his life. Isn't it amazing? God is more interested in you achieving success here in this world than sometimes we give him credit for. He wants you to achieve success with him in your spiritual walk. But you have, you know, it says that in Matthew 6.33, if you seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added unto you, right? And sometimes I think we go, well, God's not really interested in my sports life or maybe my work life. You know, I've got to give my all to him and love and be compassionate and, and be a giver and not a taker. That's true. But he wants to bless you in whatever you're, you're... The reason you have certain skills and abilities is not by accident. You didn't come into the world going, hey, I can sew real well. Or, hey, I'm really good at communicating with others. I'm really good with singing or playing a musical instrument. Or I'm, I'm really good with working on cars or, or being a mechanic. God didn't, those aren't just by coincidence that God gave you those abilities. He gave you those abilities because he wants to see you get blessed in your life in those abilities. But you'll never be happy if your whole life is just about those abilities. You'll never be happy. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be about God. And as He fills that void in your life, and as you're pursuing gold in your Christian walk, all of a sudden, those abilities take on a much higher platform like they did in the cover story of the Pentecostal Evangel. So read through that when you get a chance. Um, We're going to go to, and I think you're going to find this insanely interesting if you haven't already heard about it. But Michael Phelps just did not, before yesterday, and you can go ahead and pop the uh, next slide up. Before yesterday... It's a pretty, uh, he's got a pretty svelte figure, doesn't he? I mean, is this the picture of leanness or what? Could you imagine if you had that frame walking around? You could like eat anything you wanted to at all times. But anyways, his training regimen to get to where he's been at. Going into yesterday, before we lost yesterday, he had medaled in his last 16 races. Think about that. In 04, he took six golds and two bronze, and, and that was in Athens, Greece. And then in the 08 Beijing Olympics, In China, he won all eight of his races, gold medals. 
He's already set the record for the most gold medals. And then he's got uh, 16 medals overall, and he's three more to break the overall record. But how did he get there? Let's look at his training regimen. This may knock your socks off. He swims 80,000 meters a day or nearly 50 miles a day. He, tra he practices twice a day, sometimes more. He trains for five to six hours a day. Trains for six days a week. You know, I mean, you know how the Lord rested? Michael Phelps rested one day, and he, got, he gets right back at it. You know how we like to take, like, we like extended weekends, don't we, in the D.C. area? You know, government workers, military. If, you have, if you're in the private sector like me, you're open to get a Friday off on top of Saturday and Sunday. I mean, we're like, God, that's cool. You're in better shape than I am. You only needed one day to rest when you created the world. We'll take like a three-day weekend. And then we can take a Monday and on the other side of that, it's like almost like a Thanksgiving kind of holiday, isn't it? Yeah. And then maybe we can throw another day, a personal day, because... I've got an earache or something's aching. Yeah, I'll throw a personal day in that. So now we're up to five days. Michael Phelps, no, he just does one. He's trained six days a week. He uses waterproof earphones. Who in here likes to work out the gym and you have to have your music going? You like me? Let me tell you something. Music is powerful. It was created by God. We know there's bad music, music that's unhealthy, but God wants you to like music, the right kind of music, the right kind of music that will lift up your soul. And uh, there's all kinds of that out there that's productive and healthy for you to listen to, especially in the Christian realm, and I encourage you to do that. He improves, not only does he swim, but he improves his speed and form with lots of vertical and underwater kicking. If you ever try to kick underwater, it's almost impossible. Something about water that's heavy. Uh, he uses numerous training gear in the water to put more emphasis on his legs, his glutes, his upper body, his abs. He weight trains three days a week, and then he does body weight exercises uh, the other days of the week so he doesn't get too bulky. He has a specific training regimen. I don't care how talented you are or how talented he may be as a swimmer, how he was born to swim. And I heard the story yesterday. He, he was a, he's kind of a high-strung motor guy. His mom told him with his two older sisters, go get in the water and get some of that energy out when he was seven, and voila, you know, here he is 20 years later. Um, so he has a direct training regimen. Uh, regimen. He has a, maybe the word direct isn't the right word, but a particular training regimen where he has to do a certain thing despite his great talent to achieve the success. You know, I believe we have that. Our first point as a Christian, pursuing gold in our next slide, occurs when you perform the proper training as a Christian. You've got to do this. You know how I know that you've got to do it? Because if you're anything like me, I'm human. I think all of you have flesh and blood and tissues in your body like me. and You breathe the same oxygen I do for the most part. If you don't put the right training into your Christian walk, it just won't happen. See, some of you are going based on, well, my mom's a Christian, my dad's a Christian. I show up to church once here and there, maybe a couple times a month, or maybe I come every Sunday. It's more than that. You've got to train if you want to pursue gold in this Christian walk. And can I tell you something real quick? If you're not pursuing gold in this Christian walk, I don't care how many gold medals you win in the Olympics. I don't care how many Super Bowl champions you have, championships you have. I don't care if in your own work world they promote you to one position after another. You'll never really be satisfied. You'll always be thinking, that's great in the season of the promotion or in the season of the higher paycheck or in the season of the gold medal You'll feel like, yeah, this is great. This is what life is all about. But once you get past that honeymoon kind of feeling, you'll go back to that, I need something to fulfill me that's more substantial. No matter how much money I'm rolling in, no matter how many accolades I get, how many pats on the back I get, you know why I know that? Because the Word says God made us that way. He made us with a void to worship and serve Him. And if we're not doing it, we're going to be most, at the end of the day, no matter how much we've done in our own physical strength, will be most kind of disappointed that it doesn't quite measure up to what we hoped it would be. So you've got to pursue gold in this Christian walk if you want the pursuance, if I can use that word, of gold in your other aspects of walk to really matter, to really add up, to really mean something to you. So it occurs when you have the proper training. I think that the proper training, and let's look, if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. It's about the vine and the branches. I think a lot of you uh, have heard about this. Jesus was telling this when he was on earth with his disciples. I want to read it. And uh, we're going to read through it relatively uh, quickly. I'm trying to get to a number of things, and I want to get you out of here before 2 o'clock. They tell me if I got you out at 2 o'clock, that's good, right? <laughs> Nervous laugh. I like it. No, we heard. 
We'll make sure we get you out at 1.30. No, that's another joke. All right, here we go. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You already, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Has the Father, and we're in verse 9 here, has loved me so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. Verse 11. I have told you, and again we're in John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from you, my father uh, everything I've learned from my father, rather, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. There's a lot going on there in the vine and the branches. I'm going to break it down here under our training. Our, our next slide, as you see right there, you want to train properly. It's all about bearing fruit by remaining in Christ. I think we know kind of the basic tenets of this Christian walk. What is it? we got to pray. What is prayer? Sometimes we get all jumbled up about prayer. We think it's some mystical thing, and it is nothing more than communicating with God. Some, some, I think sometimes my youth, and I've had to break this down, they think prayer is something mom or dad or grandparents do, something that uh, uh, an aunt or uncle who's high up in the, in the hierarchy of God does. Do you know the great thing about prayer is that the thief on the cross right beside Christ, when, he was getting, when Christ was being crucified, he basically did a prayer. He talked to God through his son, Jesus. You see, if a thief on the cross, remember he said, remember me, and he said, you'll be with me in paradise. Remember Jesus said, you're saved, buddy. You see, that's the power of prayer. Jesus, through the Lord, the Lord through Jesus, rather, wants us to talk to him. He wants a relationship with you. Prayer is just dialing into that relationship by talking to God. It's not hard. Sometimes we make it way more difficult than what it needs to be. And you know why we do? Because we're so busy, we think, I don't have time for this, this is boring. That means I've got to rip out, uh, whip out my Bible and read through Genesis, and I know the book of Genesis, and I've got to go to the next book, Exodus. And I don't, you know, we make it way more, and Satan is just having a field day. He's trying to burden you with the idea of prayer, because he doesn't want you to pray. Prayer is so essential. You've got to do it. Prayer can be, you know when I do a, a, a decent amount of my praying, believe it or not, in the shower. Anyone ever have those epiphanies and the water's running? I don't know what it is. But it's like God puts things in my heart and I'm starting to think about it. And then I say, I need to pray about it. In the shower. You know, prayer is great. If a thief can do it on a cross with his hands pegged to each side and his feet pegged, you can do it anywhere. You have no excuse. You need to pray. You can do it in your car. You can do it. Now look, keep your eyes open, all right? We don't want to close the eyes. God loves you, but don't live by faith quite to that degree. I want you to drive with your eyes open. But you can do it there. You can do it right now where you're at. Maybe something that's being said has touched you. God, I need, I need you to help me in this. God wants a relationship. He's crying out for a relationship with you. Another thing is Bible reading. Bible reading, I'll be honest with you, is something that I need to get better at in my life, doing it more consistently. You want to know why? Because I, I know I can break it open. I've got my Bible verses that I know by heart and I can easily thumb to. But sometimes we don't challenge ourselves in Bible reading the way we should. Going to verses of Scripture that maybe we don't always read. Maybe going to get some kind of uh, side reference to the Bible that helps guide us through maybe a book of the Bible that we haven't touched. And that's where I have to challenge myself. I can't lean on those verses that I know by heart all the time. Those are great. But sometimes I need to get a little bit more serious with my Bible reading and go to Bible Scriptures and references in the Word that maybe sometimes deal with things that I don't want to deal with. You know, when the Bible starts touching, stepping on your toes... 
Bible reading is essential. I have to make sure. I say, God, help me with it. You know what's really easy to do? We live in a fast-paced society. I'm in a suburb of D.C., south of D.C. Y'all are north of D.C. You know what's really easy to do in our, in our fast-paced society when you're commuting or when you've got stuff going on? Is to put your Bible reading on the back burner. I'll do it on my Bible app as I'm laying on my pillow. And next thing you know, the Bible app and your phone are laying on your chest while you're out cold sleeping. It happens. It's so important to take in the Bible. It's your training. Michael Phelps didn't just show up at a pool before the 04 Olympics and 08 Olympics and go, I'm super talented. Let me jump in and win some gold medals. He trained his butt off. You've got, and I don't want to make it sound like reading the Bible is such a dire, exasperating exercise, but once you get into it, your eyes will be opened. It'll be open. One more thing that I want to touch on with training is, you know, you need to take in good ministry. I encourage you guys, in your groups... If you're in Royal Rangers, if you're in youth, if you're in men's group, if you're in women's group, whatever your group is, and I'm not just talking to the people, the members, but I'm talking to the leaders too, get involved with getting ministry. Sometimes we give it out so much if we're leading the ministries that we don't take in the ministry. You need to go to conferences that your church may advertise that you can, that you can work out. Don't let money be an issue either. Go talk to someone at your church. Hey, I can't afford this conference that's going on. But there's nothing like hearing someone present something to you the way you haven't thought about it before. And that challenges you to go read about it in the Word and pray about it. You know, go to your men's conventions. If you do that already, great. Go to your women's conventions. Go to your youth conventions. Go to your youth camps. Do that. Those are, as impo- those are important training. Get counsel. If you're struggling with something, go to your pastor. Go to someone you trust. Get that godly counsel. There's a lot of counselors out there. And I know they may be well-intentioned. Some of them may not be. But if they are not Christian counselors, they may tell you some stuff that goes directly in contradiction to what the Bible tells you. Make sure you're getting godly counsel. You're pursuing gold in your Christian walk. Okay? We want to go to Christian counselors. Here's something else. Church attendance. When we talk about church attendance, I think sometimes as Christians, we have the wrong idea about really what it's all about. Can I tell you this? We've heard this verse of Scripture, and I'm going to read it to you. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to, you can turn there if you want to, but I'm going to read it real quick. Verses 19 through 25. This is kind of the, the church attendance Scripture in the Bible, if you will. And you'll, you'll know it once I get there. Hebrews chapter 10. It goes like this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have the great priest over the house of God... Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who is promised is faithful. And here we go. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know that verse of Scripture, I think the King James says, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. You know, we know that. That's a well-known, very well-worded verse, of, uh, verse in the Bible. But do you, uh, sometimes it's easy to look at it in a certain light, and sometimes we think, well, the, the church is getting legalistic. I have to be here this Sunday and that Sunday. You know, I can serve God. God is everywhere, yada, yada, yada. Can I, let, me, let me explain to you through this illustration how important your church attendance is and how important it is to meet together with other Christians. I like to go to the gym. And about two, three weeks ago, one of the things I'm doing at 36 years old is I have to get on the treadmill and run. I used to ignore that, but when I ignored that, I noticed the waist was doing this number on me. So I decided, you know, you're growing more horizontally than vertically. And once you get past 21, it's like an evil joke God played on us. You know, it's not cool, right? It would be nice if we could stretch out a little bit more, then we could eat more and feel more, you know, whatever. Here's the deal. So I go to the gym. And uh, I like to go during the busiest time of the day at my gym. Um, and when the busiest time, I mean, almost every treadmill is full or majority of them are. And people, some people are like, really? I like to go when there's no one there because then I can get to what I want to. But I feed off the energy of other people, you know. I'm a super competitive person. That's why I'm a cowboy fan. I like my sports. Who in here are competitive? Any competitive people? Good. I think Christians should be as competitive as anyone. And here's why. Because we are competing every day, are we not? in a good, healthy way to, to reach those who don't know Christ. 
to live our life as well as we can through Christ's power, not our own strength. And I think there needs to be a competitive edge to that. I think sometimes we just go, like, whatever, I'm a Christian. And that, no wonder you're being thrown around and you're defeated all the time. You need to have an edge to you. Now, everyone loves Michael Jordan because he had an edge to him every time he got on that basketball court. He wanted to, you know, beat someone in, basically, with a basketball in his hand. And I think we need to have that same passion and vigor in our Christian walks. So here, I'm at the gym, and one thing that keeps me motivated on a treadmill is, I got my earphones in, I'm listening to my iPod, is if I can run next to people who are, I can tell are big-time runners. And they have no clue, but I'm using them as my competition. They have no clue. They're, I mean, so I go in there one day, and there's this guy. I can tell this dude's like some kind of marathon runner. He just looked like he had the long, lanky body. He's running like it's like he's taking a nap. He's so comfortable in his own skin while he's running, you know? And I said, all right, I'm getting beside him. He's going to be my competition. He has no clue. He doesn't even know who I am. He'd never seen me before, I don't think. I had never really seen him before in there. And he's running, and I get on the treadmill, do my little fast walk, and then I hit the run button, and I start going. And not the run button, you know, the increase the velocity. <laughs> Y'all are thinking, this guy's never been on a treadmill. There's no run button. Anyways, <laughs> the run button. Yeah, here we go. Now I can go. Let me hit the physical fit button so I look like I want to look. No, there's not that. But So I, I increase the velocity, right? And I'm going, and I'm going at a good pace. Now, just to give you a little inside scoop of my maybe fitness level, I like to uh, walk fast for about five, six, seven minutes, and then I like to run. You know, go at a decent pace. I don't know that I'm ever going to win the Marine Corps Marathon. Probably not. I've never even run anything close to that. But you get my drift. I'm somewhere in between. I kind of take pride in trying to be fit. So I'm never done by walking fast and then starting to run. Walk fast for about five, seven minutes. I've never done three miles in 30 minutes. I've just never done. I've done it like in 32 or 34, 35. But I've never done three miles by walking first and then running. And that's kind of my new my workout. So. I thought, I wasn't even thinking about doing that. I was just thinking about, I'm going to keep up with this dude and see how far I can go. Well, lo and behold, the, the treadmill next to me on the other side got empty, and this lady, who you could tell was a runner, she came up and got on her treadmill right beside me. So all of a sudden, she started going. She didn't even need to walk fast for five or six minutes. This is how good of a runner she was. She, like, hit the run button. No, she, she increased her velocity and took off, you know, within uh, you know, a matter of minutes after she got warmed up. So I've got two people on each side of me running, and they're running well, and I'm running. I'm feeling good. I got my I got my Toby Mac blast. Anyone Toby Mac fan in here? Yeah, I hear you. Uh huh. Anyways, here's the deal. So I got Toby Mac blasting. I'm going to town. His new single, "Me Without You," and the remix versions, and I'm loving it. And so as I'm doing this, I'm like, man. I'm really feeding off of these two people. They have no clue, and I'm wanting to beat them, you know. I'm going to stay on this treadmill for as long as it takes. I'm outrunning them. You know what I mean? They're going to hit the stop button before I do. They, again, have literally no clue that this is going on. But as I was running, the lady had more important things to do, obviously, because I saw her working out in the aerobics room. So she got done, and I stayed on. And this guy, I think he's still running to this day. He's one of those guys that never gets tired, you know that? What do they have, like a built-in oxygen tank? Like, I think he's still on that same treadmill. But anyways, I'm like, forget him. I've done my deed. You want to know how I did my deed? I, at about two and a half miles, I had already I had done that quicker than the 25-minute mark, which, I, which meant I was in front of the three miles and 30-minute mark. And I walked for the first five to seven minutes. And I said, oh, this is great. I had no clue this was going to happen today. I was just trying to compete with those. And I did three miles in 29 and a half minutes, basically, and did two and a half miles in less than 22 minutes With you know, because I walked fast. I bring that up for this reason, not to pat me on the back. I don't need it. I bring it up for this reason. I was encouraged by them. They motivated me. And the light went off. Church attendance is not about your sticker on your spiritual chart. It's not about even looking down your nose going, well, I, didn't, I mean, be concerned that so-and-so isn't here today. Be concerned that you haven't seen certain people there. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing it in a way to thumb down your nose and go, well, I come to church and look how great I am, but this person doesn't, and they're really a sinner, a heathen, instead of looking at them like that, maybe they are, but maybe you need to pray for them and encourage them. And the next time they're in this church, encourage the heck out of them. Lift them up, because you never know when your Sunday that you take that onus on, 
that maybe that's the Sunday that will radically change them in their Christian walk and they'll get their training life in gear just like you have your training life in gear. See, church, it's important. Don't forsake it. But the reason we go is not just to say, I went and I can check it off and now I can move on to something else in life. It's because you want to do something while you're there. If you're just coming here to sit in a pew and sing and yeah, 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 then listen to the message and move on, you missed the point of coming to church. You probably shouldn't have been here today. I'm glad you're here. But you've got to come here to experience, to go all out on your treadmill, which is your church service, to let others around you who are maybe they're going through, everyone goes through problems. I'm not trying to diminish yours, but we all have problems we bring into church. I've got them. I hope I'm not the only one. Or I feel kind of weird and you guys have all your acts in gear. Maybe I should be down there now. Here's the deal, guys. We all have issues, but we need to sometimes be, I'm going to encourage someone while they're there. I am, they're here. I'm here. And I want to motivate. I want to just give them encouragement. I want to go pray with them if they're up here at the altar. I want to go up during the greeting and shake their hand. That's church attendance. That's why you come to church. And the Bible says it in Hebrews 10 about the forsake, not the assembling. It says, be in the habit of going so you can encourage one another. These aren't my words. This is the Bible's words. We want to make sure we keep it all together. All right, the second point. The second point. Talked about diet. We're going to put up the next slide with Michael Phelps' diet. Maybe you've seen this. The dude downs 12,000 calories a day. Now you go, that's insane, Dallas. Keep in mind, I just showed you his training regimen. He burns thousands and thousands of calories. So in order that he doesn't go dehydrated and lose, he's got to have energy. Calories are energy, especially for an athlete. For some of us, calories are the bad, evil thing. But for someone like Michael Phelps, it's energy. So what does he do for breakfast? Three fried egg sandwiches with cheese, lettuce, tomatoes, fried onions, and mayo. Two cups of coffee. Then he consumes a five-egg omelet, bowl of grits, three slices of French toast with powdered sugar, and three chocolate chip pancakes. Look, we haven't even gotten to lunch and dinner, and some of you are already bloated. You know, just reading it, you need to go home and take a nap and let out your, your belt. You haven't even eaten anything today. You know what I mean? Anyone have that feeling? For lunch, a pound of pasta. Two large ham and cheese sandwiches on white bread with mayo. A thousand calories worth of energy drinks. You can tell he treats breakfast as the most important meal of the day because he trains in the morning. He's got to have energy, ready to go. And then dinner, another pound of pasta. What does he think he's going to... Who in here has gone to Maggiano's? Any Maggiano's fans? Yeah? You can eat your pound of pasta there, right? I mean, he's having like a Maggiano's menu. He eats a full pizza after that. Then another thousand calories of energy drinks. You got to, in order for that training regimen to work, that training schedule to work, you got to have your diet being right. If your diet is off and it goes the other way, you ever like gone to work out in the gym and you work out like once or twice a week, maybe once a week, or maybe you skip a whole week and then you work out like another week and you maybe get in three days or then you skip another week or two or whatever. And, and let's say though you make your, your, your gym schedule is inconsistent, but your eating is not. You know what I mean? Your eating is not inconsistent. And so, well, even though you're going to the gym, you do have a gym membership, the body is not looking like it's going to the gym. You know what I mean? And you're like, I'm so frustrated. And you want to just rip up your gym membership. You see, they got to go hand in hand. You can't just have a training or schedule or gym membership. You've got to have the intake. For a Christian, for the Christian, your pursuing gold in your Christian walk occurs when you take in the proper diet. What is that proper diet? Your diet as a Christian is what fuels your training, your Bible reading, your prayer, your ministry that you take in. Your church attendance. What fuels that? It's centered around your faith. Your faith. You see, faith in God, the Bible says, can move mountains. Can it not? And if we don't have a mountain-moving faith in our life, and we'll go to our next slide. John, We're going to look at John chapter 14 and some verses of Scripture there then our diet isn't right. You see, faith is what allowed um, Peter to get out of that boat, right? A walk on that water with Jesus. Faith is what allowed Daniel, knowing that if he disobeyed the king's decree, he was going in the lion's den, and he still had his diet set. You see, it's so easy to do the wrong diet, is it not? It's so easy to go, I'm not interested in faith. 
I, I have it, but I don't want it. You know, we don't say we're not interested in faith. It doesn't sound right as a Christian. So I have faith, but, and we throw in this huge but. But, you know, life has always dealt me a bad hand, and my mom and dad struggle with this, so I know I'm going to struggle with this. And I, I am not trying to make light of your bad hand in life. That is not my, my deal. But what I want to do is encourage you that your faith, no matter how you could be coming to church here every Sunday, reading the Word pretty regularly or regularly, you could be praying but if your faith in Christ is not right, think about this with Peter. You remember he took his eyes off of Jesus in the water and he started to sink, right? I'm sure Peter, he's a disciple for crying out loud. I'm sure he was doing his fair share of praying and reading the Word. He's hanging out with Jesus, like going from village to village. I'm pretty sure his training was, was decent, but he, he, it still didn't keep him from sinking when Jesus said, walk out and look at me. He took his eyes off of God. You know, we can do our training right, but our faith intake can be off. And there's a myriad of reasons why. It could just be that we've gone through some struggles in life, and it's hard for us to believe that God can get us over these mountaintops. In verse 6 of John chapter 14, you know this very well-known verse of Scripture. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's faith right there. A lot of us can say, but I'm, I've been a Christian all my life, or I... I've read the Bible cover to cover. It's through Christ. You know, if you really look at it, the thief on the cross, that was an act of prayer. But I doubt he did much training up to that point when God said, you'll see me in heaven, because he was a thief. He was being uh, punished for his bad act. Christ was innocent. He, him and the other criminal were not. But he had so much faith that actually compensated for a lack of training. Faith is important. It will fuel your Christian walk. Verse 6 there, I am the way. It gives us, you know, when we have faith in God, we get entrance into his presence. Some of you, you get so frustrated because I don't think you've really, maybe it's been a while or maybe never, that you've really had entrance into God's presence where you could feel God and where you could sense he was, he was ministering to your heart and where you could sense that he was working in a situation. You see, faith puts you in there. God just says, believe in me. You know, Sometimes all it takes is someone to believe in us, and we do great things. I remember talking about the Olympics. Anyone remember the 1996 Olympics when uh, the USA gymnastics team was trying to win the gold medal and Carrie Strug? Or those of you born before 1988, you'll know about this. And all of you youth members, you're like, huh, 90s? Is that like antiques were around? Here's the deal. That was a joke, by the way. Here's the deal. And Carrie Strug needed to land this, and she had a bum ankle for the U.S. gymnastics team. And I remember Bella Caroli or Caroli, yeah. He says, you can do it. Remember that? He was the gym, USA gymnastics coach. And you could see her eyes lit up. She had a bad ankle. She had a stick, and she stuck the landing. I remember watching that and, like, flipping out over my sofa going, oh, my gosh, she did it, she did it. Belief in Carrie Strug helped her. Her talent was there. She did a lot of training. But in that point, the belief that, that her coach had in her got her to that point. Think about you serve the most awesome power in the universe, the most powerful entity in the universe, and he's asking you to believe in him. What can he do for you if Carrie Strug on a bum ankle can deliver for her coach? And so, I'm pretty sure there's been a coach or a mentor in your life that maybe once said, you can do it, I have faith in you, and you said, by golly, I'm going to do it. This person needs me to. Your Heavenly Father is saying, believe in me and watch what I'll do in your life. I'm, I'm all-powerful. I have no defects. And he ties the answers to, his, to, to your prayers to your faith intake. How much faith are you gnawing on? Calories to Michael Phelps or faith to the Christian? In John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, it goes like this. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. This is Jesus talking. He will do, and here's what I love, even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Faith not only can allow you to do what Jesus did, but do even greater things. Man, that's something else. Because last I checked, Jesus did a whole lot of great things through the power of of his own Father, which is the same God that we serve. I know we're getting into, like, the Trinity and all that stuff, and you're like, huh, I thought Jesus was God. Look, Jesus was God in the earthly form, but he still had to rely on his heavenly Father just like we do. 
We do it through the power of Jesus' name. As I always say, in Jesus' name, right? Because Jesus is that linkage. He died on the cross to give us that bridge. But here's the deal. Jesus said, you have faith like I have faith, and watch what will happen in your life. Just watch as you pursue gold. Some of you, the reason your Christian walk is bland is you're doing the training, but you're not doing the faith part. Your intake of faith is real low. You'll, you'll read some, and some of these self-help books can be okay, but you'll read this self-help book and it may not be based in faith, but how great you are. And you'll listen to this, you know, talk show host and that talk show host and they can be all right. But if they take precedence over your faith in God, that's the reason your Christian walk is not pursuing gold. It's the reason you're measuring up short. It's the reason you're probably bored or maybe you quit on your Christian walk. And just by coincidence, I got you here today, which is great. So here's the deal. You've got to have faith. Your faith fuels your training. Avoid faith zappers. You know what faith zappers are? Faith zappers are people or yourself. If you're constantly in sin, sin and faith cannot hang out together. You've got to get rid of the sin. You go, I can't. I'm addicted. Get on your knees and give it to God. Just give it to God. You know, it, it really, it's, it's hard, but it's not. Satan will tell you you'll never give it up. Satan will tell you you're always going to be this way. And you've got to learn that, the, again, if you believe in God, what can he do? He can move mountains. So you've got, you got to get that constant, sinful, addictive, weakness, desires. You've got to take reign over them. Another thing is, I, I recommend don't hang out with complainers. And if you're a complainer, God bless you. But get some faith in you so you don't have to complain. Sometimes we are, you know, we all can complain a lot. I've, been, I've done it. I hope I'm not the only one here. Or I guess I'm talking to myself. But you know how easy it is to complain a lot about stuff in life? There's always something to complain about, really. Think about it. Think about everything that goes on in your life. You can complain about the way someone talks to you, the way they look at you, the way they smell, the way this happens, the way the waiter didn't come to your table in time and you didn't get the refill, or, you know, at Walmart, they didn't bag your groceries correctly or what have you. You could always complain about something, and sometimes there are worthy things to complain about, but if you're complaining all the time, no one knows what's worthy of your complaint or what's not. You actually do in your own self. You ever hang out with someone who complains all the time? Even when they have a, they could, they could have just come and said, oh my gosh, my hand is numb and my blood is not circulating. And you're like, oh, whatever. You know, or it's like they always complain about something. So I don't know. Here's the deal. You hurt yourself when you complain all the time. And then you can't enjoy the greatness of the Christian walk. You won't pursue gold. You will not pursue gold if you complain time and time again. Your attitude is directly linked to that. If you're a bad attitude, you know what? Bad attitudes, can be almost as a, they are, they're like a sinful addiction. You know, you can't get out of it. That will zap you of your faith. You've got to give that to God. You can't say, well, I want to hang on to this because someone did me in a month ago, a year ago, and so that's the way I am. Let me tell you something, guys. You want to achieve greatness in your life. You want to experience Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added to you. You've got to get rid of the attitudes. You've got to get rid of the complaining. All the faith zappers in your life. I'm getting ready to close in just a couple minutes. But do you remember in the video when Michael Phelps in that race, the 100-meter butterfly, when it looked like he didn't win, and even the broadcaster was like, oh, he didn't win. No. Oh, he did. No, he tied. You see, to the naked eye, sometimes we don't see things for how they really are happening. You see, God is in supreme control when you're pursuing this walk. And when you have faith in God, he's moving mountains, and sometimes you don't think they're being moved. But, and so then you get an attitude, or you start complaining, and then you hold off the faith mountain moving that God wants to do in your life because of your own ways. Your own, you're your own worst enemy. Can I tell you that in that video with Michael Phelps winning that race, the machines got it by one one-hundredth of a second, but if one one-hundredth of a second is quicker than the blink of an eye, you really can't see that for what it is with the naked eye, can you? Faith is the evidence of what? Things what? Not seen. That's faith. If you've got to see everything to believe in God, you're not dealing in faith. You're dealing in your own will. You're dealing in your own power. And that's not faith in God. Do you want to believe in God? Or do you just want to believe in your own ability to serve God? And if it lines up with what God's going to do in your life, so be it. If not, then I guess this Christian walk isn't worth living. We've got to learn that faith is stuff we don't see. It's happening. It's the evidence of faith not seen. 
And here's the deal, guys. When you get to the end of a bless, or when you get to the point of a blessing happening in your life, you'll be like, oh, I never saw that. Well, duh. God operates in a realm that you won't see. That's why you've got to have faith in Him. Lastly, third point, pursuing gold occurs when you, when you possess Christ's light passion. I'm not going to read this, this passage of Scripture for the sake of time, but I think you'll know it. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 46, and let's go, what is passion real quick? An intense emotion compelling a feeling, enthusiasm, or a desire for something. You see, I think we throw passion around way too much in our world. Oh, he's got a passion for this. Oh, she's got a passion for that. And do they really? They really have that intense emotion compelling them to a feeling? or Is it really intense? Let me give you an idea of what Christ is talking about when he talks about passion. Do you remember Luke recorded this, chapter 22, and you can read through it on your own spare time. Get that Bible reading training going. Here's the deal. Christ is about to go to the cross. He knows his, Judas has already betrayed him. Judas has the Roman soldiers headed his way. He goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He brings his posse boys, his disciples with him. And he says, look, you pray for me. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the garden. And in Luke chapter 22, it says that Christ prayed, not my will, but thine be done. Now this is Jesus, the most perfect, well he is, the only perfect person. Think about this if you were perfect. Wouldn't it be easy to rely on your own will? Because I'm perfect. I've never messed up. Even Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, Heavenly Father. He knew. He wanted the cup to pass from him. He knew the agony he was about to go through on that cross. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Jesus needed to be strengthened. But Jesus' passion didn't wane. In fact, it said he sweat great drops of blood. Luke, who was a doctor, actually recorded that in his gospel because that's something that would have appealed to Luke when you read about it. You see, Christ-like passion causes you not to give up in your goal-driven spiritual training and diet. In fact, when you have Christ-like passion, it accelerates it. You see, some of you have the training aspect down, you got the faith aspect down, but your passion level is not there. You're, you want to, you, you, you almost are someone who, who's robotic, which isn't altogether bad, but if you're a robot, a robot can't feel, can it? It can just do. It can't feel emotions. It's emotionless. It just does the action. You see, that's what you maybe have become in your Christian walk. You believe God can do anything, but there's not a lot of passion behind that belief. There's not a lot of compelling enthusiasm. So in a sense, your, your spiritual training and your faith intake isn't what it could be or should be. You see, until we, if Jesus had passion to go and pray, remember he went back, his disciples were sleeping, and he said, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You see, passion not only should motivate you in your spiritual walk, you know where someone's passion meter you can see it at? It's not in what they're doing. It's in how they're trying to help others. That's passion. Because any of us can kind of feed our own internal desires of wanting to achieve to the top. But how are you, especially in, in, in a storm situation, like how are you helping other people? Are you doing much to be there for someone else, or is it all about you all the time? Even if you're living the Christian walk the way you should. You see, Christ went back to his disciples, and even in the most dire state that an angel needed to come down and strengthen him, he said, I want you guys to pray so you don't fall into temptation. It wasn't just about him in his moment where he's getting ready to go to the cross. He knew what was happening. He knew Judas was going to come. They were going to arrest him, beat the pulp out of him, just ridicule him, crown of thorns him. He knew that was probably coming. He knew what a crucifixion was. And yet he said, I want you guys to pray. I've got so much passion. That's why they call it the passion of the Christ. It's not just about that. And then, of course, he died on the cross, not for himself, but for us. How much passion do you have in this Christian walk? Not only to see your own Christian walk go the way it should, but others in your midst, in your peer group. Think about this. Yesterday we saw, and I'm getting ready to close, we saw Michael Phelps lose a race. And if you know the, I don't know how many of you followed this. When he didn't only lose, he didn't medal. First time since the age of uh, 15 when he was in one event in the Sydney, Australia 2000 Olympics that he didn't medal. He was only in one event. He was only 15 back then. That's pretty young to be going up against these Olympic studs. He had medaled in every race, 16 straight until yesterday and gotten the golds in 14 of them. So the dude was pretty much walking victory. 
So how does he lose? Well, if you know a story where after the 08 Olympics happened, remember everyone loved Michael Phelps. He want, every mom wanted their daughter to marry him and every guy wanted to be as buff as him, I think. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but you get the point. Here's the deal. Michael Phelps was living the celebrity life. He actually contemplated maybe retiring, but he, he was enjoying the talk show circuit. Everyone was talking to him. He was being mobbed. Never before he'd been a celebrity like that. And he grew a bit complacent, obviously, in his swimming life. He can't do everything, right? He's not God as much as people thought he was in water. And he began to not even want... Think about this. Michael Phelps, he didn't even want to train. Didn't even want to go to the pool. Didn't even want... In fact, for two years... Didn't do anything much. Took a dip maybe on a hot day, but that was about it. And then as the Olympic trials were coming up, he knew he had to get in, and he kind of got reinvigorated. He said, I got passionate again. Michael Phelps lost his passion. And that's why Ryan Lochte, who won yesterday, he was beginning to ascend. His passion was at, was at an all-time high Why Phelps was coming down. And as we can see, nothing's automatic in life. Not Michael Phelps' swimming victories and not your Christian walk. You cannot live on yesterday's victories in your Christian walk if you're trying to pursue gold. It's got to be about what you're doing right now on July, what, 29th of 2012. If you're living on what happened at youth camp a year ago or this or earlier this summer or what happened at a men's conference, or what happened right here on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or another meeting time, and you said, but, but look how great I was. I was serving God and I was doing all these great things. If that's what you're living on, then you're going to bottom out like Phelps. And we saw even the great Michael Phelps in water yesterday. Was He had no words to describe it when he was interviewed. It was kind of, I felt bad for him. As he, was, he couldn't even come up with words. He's not used to that. Some of us have no words to describe where we're at right now. Here's the great thing. Michael Phelps has more races and he's trained uh, the last year and a half, two years. He's got his passion back, but he doesn't have his full training See, you may, not have, you may have passion right now to live, to live the life of a Christian walk, but maybe your training isn't that deep in your life. But I encourage you, don't give up. If you lose a race, if something doesn't go your way this week, if a relationship is about ready to fold, don't give up. You give up on this Christian walk, you're not just throwing away a gold medal, a proverbial gold medal in your Christian walk, you're throwing away your life. It's more than a race, it's more than the Olympics, it's your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I appreciate you um, and, and the praise and worship team. I think you're going to come play something softly. I appreciate your attentiveness. You see, sometimes before we can even pursue gold in our Christian walk, we've got to have a Christian walk. And with every eye closed and head bowed, if you're someone here today and you go, Dallas, you know, I don't know who you are. What you said was interesting, but I, what, the one thing you harped on was, having a relationship with God and being able to interact with God, I can't do that. If you can't do that this Sunday morning and you say, you know what, gals, before I can pursue gold, I've got to be able to be in the race. I'm not even in the race. No Olympic athlete can win a gold medal if they haven't qualified for the Olympics. And maybe your life doesn't qualify as a Christian. And you say, you know what, Dallas, by raising of the hands, I need God. I don't have God in my life. Anyone that say, I need God, I'm not even a Christian, but I'm ready. I want to get into that race because I, it sounds like, man, if I get into the race and I start pursuing it with the proper diet, the proper training, and the proper passion, I'm going to go places. Anyone this Sunday morning? Give you a couple seconds with heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you go, Dallas, I'm a Christian, but I'm not doing an element that you talked about. I'm not training. Maybe something is lacking in my training. Maybe I don't really have the faith. I do all the training, but I don't have the faith. Or maybe my passion. I'm robotic. I'm just kind of going about my own daily spiritual walk, and I don't really have a, a passion to see others come to God. I don't really care about getting in ministry in my own church. If that's you, maybe you lack in a whole bunch of those. Maybe you just got the passion down, but you're training. You're enthusiastic because you just got saved, or you think God is great, but you're not doing what you need to do to live this Christian walk to the fullest. If that's you, would you raise your hand this Sunday morning? and say, I see those hands. Thank you so much. You know what? As I was putting this message together, I was one of those ones raising my hand. You know, I think the greatest messages are the ones that talk to you as you begin to put them together. And God begins to say, this is what I need you as a speaker to really focus on in your life because then you can passionately give it to those people. I, I believe God uses us 
you know, as vehicles. And I pray today's done that. Here's what I like to do: if you raise your hand, you're always free to come up for prayer. I'll stick, I'll stick right here with you. But I'd like to have. We had a lot of people raise their hands. Could we? Re- could you repeat this prayer after me this Sunday morning? And mean it. You know, if you just repeat it in a robotic way, it's not going to do much for you. But mean it. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just repeat after me. And uh, after we, we say amen, we'll have uh, Haley lead us in a song and we'll dismiss. Um, but I'll be here for prayer. Any of the leaders of the church who want to pray with you, I, I encourage you guys to come up. Uh, and if there's anyone who wants to pray, and please don't be shy about that. But let's repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to serve you. And Heavenly Father, I want to pursue gold in my Christian walk. I know I can't do it on my own. I've got to train. I've got to take in the right amount of faith. And I've got to have passion. Heavenly Father, may today be the new day in my life. Of a new era in my life. As I pursue gold in you, in your name, amen. Amen. I I pray you meant that, but if you need more specialized prayer, you want to pray about an aspect, please come see me.
Your peace. 